right. So this morning, let's open in prayer. I'm excited about our passage this morning. Um, it's awesome. And God, I could say that every Sunday, but this one in particular, I am excited to bring God's word to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our morning together. Thank you for uh, bringing so many of us back uh, safely from, from camping, from vacations, from travels throughout the country, maybe even outside of the country for some. Lord, we uh, look forward to this school year. We've already prayed for our youngsters, our young children. Father, those who are in the schools, uh, I just echo the prayers of my brother Tim as he prayed. Lord, we would ask that they would be salt and light. Father, even at a young age, make them bold in their proclamation of your mercy and your grace, of your lordship, that they serve the one true God. Lord, so many young people have been used by you. We think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. David is a young man. Father, you use young people for your glory and for your kingdom. And so, Father, we would just pray that you would empower them by the power of the Holy Spirit to be a great witness at the high school, the junior highs, the middle schools, and the elementary schools. Father, for all of us in our neighborhoods, may we be people quick to share that Jesus saves through the cross. Father, thanks for this morning. Guide my words. Guide our time in the scriptures. Thank you that you have given us a God-breathed word that is true and sure that guides and directs our lives. Be with us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. We started this last fall. And now we're really moving towards somewhat of a conclusion over the next few weeks or months. Uh, it just kind of depends on how it works out with different It's not because I'm long. It's because, you know, we just don't know the schedule. We don't know the exact timing of God's will, but I, I, I think it would be great. I'm actually starting to pray that it would be a great transition to see us ending Ephesians right around the time God brings us a permanent teaching pastor. Uh, will that happen? I don't know. I can't tell you that. I don't presume anything upon God, but we know his timing is perfect. Uh, I can tell you that I'm not going to try to stretch out passages to lengthen the series, nor will I gloss over the text to uh, speed it up should God be doing that. We're going to trust God in how we end the book of Ephesians and how that all works out. And it's, uh, uh, it's going to be his perfect will and it's going to be God's perfect timing. Um, anyways, I just said we're going to do a little something different, and I'm sure you're probably holding your breath, wondering what are you going to do different today? What's, what is this that we're doing? And don't worry, it's not that different in the grand scheme of things. Uh, most of the time when we tackle a text like this, we start moving forward, and we just kind of go at it. And you know I'm big on review, and it either drives you crazy or you appreciate it. I don't know what that would be, but I want to show you something today that we really need as a reminder, and it's going to take a, a little portion of our time this morning. Let's start by reading our text. If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to read just verses 1 and 2 today. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God. Take a moment and quietly and soberly think about that command. Be imitators of God. 
Do you realize the weight of that command? And yes, it's a command. This is not one of those suggestions. It's not a, hey, why don't you give this a shot? It's not a recommendation. It is not an option. Paul is directly and clearly telling the church, be imitators of God. Have any of you ever been given a task, an assignment, or maybe a really strong directive at work, yet you were not given any resources or tools or training to complete the required assignment? Have you ever embarked on something that you really knew was destined for utter failure? It was beyond you. It was too much. I know when we have something like that, the feeling of hopelessness can often make a person give up. They would say, I can't do this. I'm not even going to try. I would think that probably many people have left jobs after they've been asked to work the impossible without having the resources and the empowerment to successfully complete what was required or even demanded for them to be done. This can happen in a workplace environment, can't it? I know in high school, sometimes students just go, they're giving me the impossible. Now, 99.9% of the time, it's just kind of high school drama. Sorry, kids. And they can do it. But sometimes we have that feeling of overwhelmment. I can't do this. I cannot get this done. Now imagine me walking up in the pulpit today and saying to you this. Here's my sermon. Be imitators of God. Now if this command was thrown out there independent of any other teaching, we would all need to pack our bags and go home. Wouldn't we? We cannot keep this commandment by our own effort and by our own strength. This command is an absolute deal killer for the legalist and the self-righteous who like to make deals with God, who make up their own rules, who make up their own sense of right and wrong and righteousness. You know, in my youth, at times, one could get the impression that a good Christian was one who kept the dress code at their school, kept their hair short, can't touch the collar, can't go past the middle of the year. You'd have to avoid dancing at your wedding if you were a teacher at the school in order to keep your job. You see, it's easy for Christians, it's easy for almost anyone, actually, to set up a culture of rule-keeping that may have a good biblical background, and we like it because it keeps everybody on the same page. We agree what we like and what we don't like. We agree on what we allow and what we won't allow, and we make it doable. It may be a little bit hard because the Christian life's hard, right? But we make it so we can start to feel good about our little club and the rules that we keep. And we can become pretty happy, self-righteous people. We can convince ourselves that our rules, our code, our culture, is what proclaims us and makes us righteous before God. You see, this is what the Pharisees did. They took the Old Testament, fashioned it into something that they could keep. Paul, you remember Paul, even in Philippians, he says, I kept the law 
perfectly. He wasn't lying. He did it. And the Pharisees would love their rules and their regulations. And they would sit and talk and make up rules and get around them and make exceptions. They'd figure it out. But what happened? Jesus Christ came to earth. And in Matthew chapter 5, he started a sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon, he crushed them. He crushed those of us. And believe me, it's, it's you and me. We can easily fall into this. We think we're good. And then Jesus says this, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You see, there are passages in Scripture that when we soberly look at them, we realize that we are doomed if we rely on any self-effort or any self-righteousness. It's interesting, and we praise God for this. In our text, Paul didn't say, be imitators of God. He said, therefore, be imitators of God. That therefore, this therefore in our text, the first word in chapter 5, might be the most gracious and kind therefore in all of Scripture. If you really stop and think about it, this is so kind. That therefore saves us. That therefore empowers us. That therefore makes us right with Jesus Christ, or with God through Jesus Christ. Why? Because it points back to an awesome and miraculous salvation that comes by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, and to the glory of God alone. This therefore is awesome. It is mind-blowing if you stop and think about us because it is a life-altering truth of the Scriptures. And it's this. God empowers us to obey God. That makes sense? It's amazing. God gives us the power to obey Him. We couldn't do this on our own. Let's take a look. Turn Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. Go back to chapter 1. Look at verses 3 through 14. Remember way back in the fall, this wonderful run-on sentence. Paul on a roll. He can't stop saying, look what God has done. And he starts it off with this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with a few blessings. Does it say that? With a couple blessings. No. It says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Nothing, my friends, is left out. Every I don't know Greek, but I'm going to take a big guess here. In the Greek, every means every. All of it. And we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have everything that we need in Jesus Christ. Go down a little bit. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 15. It says this, for this reason. You know what that is? 
A fancy way of saying therefore. He's going back for this reason. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you. You're saved. You're blessed for this reason. Because of all God has done, I'm praising God for your salvation. I'm praising God for the blessings you have. I'm praising God for your adoption. I'm praising God for the Holy Spirit who has sealed you. I am excited, Paul is saying. And I'm not ceasing to give thanks. My life is full of thankfulness. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. And it links the passage to chapter 1. He's pointing back all the spiritual blessings and, and what? And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But now in Christ, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved you. This is verse 4. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Do you love God's grace? You were dead. At the risk of a joke going bad after the second time, dead means dead. No life, roadkill, a corpse. The last effect, I won't say it, I saw a poor little animal today that had gotten hit by a car on the way to church. And I sat there and I looked at it and I said, that's dead. It's not getting up. I felt bad, but it's done. That was us. Dead in our sins, God gives life. 2.11, therefore, pointing back to the grace of God. Therefore, at one time, you didn't know. At one time, you Gentiles in the uncircumcision were separate from Jesus Christ but now we're not. Chapter three, verse one, for this reason. That's a fancy therefore, pointing back to chapter two. Verse 14, for this reason. Chapter four, verse one, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Pointing back again to the blessings, who we are in Christ. Know who you are. Know what God has done. Know the grace that you have. Know the empowerment that you have. Know that the Holy Spirit lives within you. Know that resurrection power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, now lives in us, and it gives us power. But we live weak lives, don't we? Because we don't go back and know who we are. Instead, we say, be imitators of God, and we go, this is impossible. It is impossible, but not when you know who you are. With God, all things are possible, and he empowers us to do the impossible, to be an imitator of God, to reflect him, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. 425, therefore, again, pointing back. And then chapter five, verse one, like I said, the most wonderful therefore I think we've seen. Therefore be imitators of God. Friends, it all goes back to grace. It all goes back to God the Father empowering us through Jesus Christ, death on the cross, sealing us in the Holy Spirit, and we now live lives of victory. Now do we sin? Yes, you know why? Well, one, we live in this. 
Scripture calls it the flesh. This is our battle. Galatians talks hugely about it. Romans. We are going to fight sin until the day we die. But you know what's awesome about being saved? For the first time, you're free to do right. And you're empowered to do right by God's movement in your life. We're changed. We are different. Paul's saying this. He's saying, look what I've just told you. Look what I wrote. Look at who you are now in Christ. Look at the amazing grace that brought you from death to life. Look at your position as a child of God. Look at your adoption. Look at the Holy Spirit of promise and empowerment who lives within you. Look that you belong to a church and the body of Christ and you work together. You're joined together. Look at this. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God. We can do this because of God's gracious, redeeming work within our lives. It's amazing, isn't it? Doesn't this realization of grace ignite within you a heart of worship and gratitude? Look what God has done. Shouldn't this bring joy? Shouldn't this just bring amazement? <coughs> Isn't this good news? So, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In the next few weeks, our main idea is this. As Christians, we are called, we are commanded to imitate God. And we do this by walking in love, walking in light, and walking in wisdom. And the text lays that out clearly. In fact, uh, I, don't ha I wasn't going to do this, but I want to I read this whole section and look for these three walks. Again, walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. Let's read, read chapter 5. And we're going to go all the way down to verse uh, 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience." Therefore, do not associate with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, 
and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, this is where we're headed over the next few weeks. I hope you're here. But this is, you ever feel like you get the right hook and the left hook? We have some heavy things coming. But remember the therefore. Remember God's grace. And this is the fuel for our obedience. Not trying harder. Not doing it yourself. But resting and walking by the Spirit. And allowing God to move greatly within you. So today, we're going to look at imitating God by walking in love. You ever hear the term like father, like son? Have any of you in your life ever found that to be true? So I have the blessing of working with my father. And I, I love, I, my kids will laugh because sometimes I go, oh man, grandpa today. You know, if I don't watch Fox News, I get the full recap, you know, every morning. And... Uh, Fox News really isn't, well, news, never mind, we'll stop. <laughs> my, my politics tend to be God is sovereign and use wisdom in how you vote. That tends to be how I am, and you can hang me later if that you really care about that thing. But, um, and I do care, by the way, but my dad loves that stuff. That's for free, not in my notes. But I, I do, I love seeing him and working with him these past uh, three or four years. But I'm finding something out. It's true. Uh, like father, like son. And I think sometimes Karen just shakes her head and goes, look at my future. We love, we love my dad, but as we get older, you know, things change. And uh, you get a little ornery. Oh, man, he would just be over me right now. I better stop. But when I cover, when I cover for my dad, when he takes some time off, and I answer his phone without fail, and this, I, this happens every time. This is not an, an exaggeration. I can even say this, first for insurance, this is Ron. All of them will say, what? Uh, no, this is Ron. I'm first for insurance, this is Ron. You sound like your dad. <coughs> it happens every time. And I say, nope, it's his son. Well, you sound just like him. I said, I look like him too, but I'm a little better looking. Most Tuesdays we go to Togo's. Guess what? We order the exact same thing. Down to extra black pepper on the sandwich. And we sit there and the, the, the people working there are like, that's your dad, right? Yep. That's your son, right? Yep. Yeah, we can tell. And then my dad usually says, yeah, you ever see two good looking guys like that? Isn't it amazing? That's my dad. We order exactly the same. Our keen sense of humor is very similar. 
I already said this, we're both quite handsome. It's in my notes, I gotta say it. (laughs) But I will share this to honor my father, and this is absolutely true. In so many ways, I have a long way to go to be like my dad. He honors God. He's a man of integrity and character. And I like imitating my dad as much as I tease him. As much as we have that father-son banter back and forth, I love him very much. And in the way we imitate our fathers, and maybe, maybe you haven't had a good relationship with your father. You do now. You have a tremendous relationship with God the Father. He adopted you. You are his child. And even as I love it when I see the youngsters, young boys following their dad, and you can tell they're trying to walk with the same swagger as their dad. They're trying to dress like their dad. They sit there and they have their fake shaving kit like their, like their dad. When they're, these things, I assume that I've had daughters, but I assume that's what happens. <laughs> and I love being, the, by the way, I love, absolutely love being the father of daughters. What a huge blessing it has been. But we imitate, don't we? We imitate our fathers. We get to imitate God the Father, the perfect Father, the one worth imitating. In other passages of Scripture, Paul declares that the church should imitate him as he imitates Christ. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, if you want to just jot it down and write it down and look at it later, Paul says that the church in Thessalonica has imitated the churches in Judea as they were sharing and suffering. But here in Ephesians, and it's only in Ephesians, Paul tells the church to imitate God. Now, we can't do that in everything, can we? Imitate God. So let's get some volunteers. Who right now would like to create something out of nothing? Can someone speak light into existence right now? I know, this is silly, isn't it? We can't do that. How many of you know all the stars? Known by name. Anyone? Anyone want to try? I'll give you another one. How about the grains of sand in the world? Can someone give me a population count? We can't, right? See, when we say imitate God, it is not that we could become God. It's not that we take on his power, his omniscience. We don't do that. But what does it say? We can reflect God's character as we are now image bearers who have been made alive by the gospel. Remember chapter 4, verse 24, where we just were? And it says, And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God. The new self is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We start to look like God. We start to reflect his character. And we are given a command to imitate God. And Paul lists the three walks that we already mentioned. We do this by walking in love, walking in light, and walking in wisdom. So we imitate God, we're looking at today, by walking in love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. First one listed in Galatians 5, 22. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers us to love. God empowers us to obey Him. Romans 5, 5 says this, that God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. A Christian will love because God is love. We imitate God when we love like God the Father. 
And it says this, imitate God as what? As beloved children. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.5, we are God's children. He has adopted us through Jesus Christ. God the Father is so compassionate, he is so merciful and so kind. And then Jesus said this in Luke 6, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Do you guys know the mercy of God? Remind yourselves and go back. But God being rich in mercy, right? Even when we were dead. So we need to be merciful. James 1.27 says this, true religion and true devotion to God is to care for orphans and widows. Scripture tells us in many passages to practice hospitality, to care for the poor. We already saw that. Why do we work? In chapter 4, verse 28, we work to share with those who have need. We care for one another. And we also cannot forget where we were last week in Jeff's messages. We love and we show love like God the Father by forgiving one another and being kind to one another. This is what we're called to do. We imitate God when we love like Jesus loves us. Look at verse 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul goes to the cross. That's why we sang the wonderful cross. The wonderful, violent, horrific cross is our victory and our life. Christ sacrificed himself for us. And we imitate God when we love like Jesus loves. Paul reminds us the perfect picture of love is Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate imitator of God the Father. Remember he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. John 14, verse 9. And our verse now tells us to look at Jesus, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. There's another good one, isn't it? Therefore be imitators of God. And now, love like Jesus loves. How many of you are very extremely successful at that? I'm not. It's hard. But remember, we're empowered. We've been given the grace. We've been given new life to do this. How do we do this? We can love others when we live a life that's centered on the gospel. That's centered on Christ. Every day, remind yourself of this. Christ came to earth. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He kept the law perfectly. He was without sin. But then Jesus died the death we deserved. He was our substitute. He took our punishment. He took our place. Jesus rose from the dead on our behalf. And when we place our faith in him and his work on the cross, he receives us and he saves us. And we are then given the spirit of God that indwells us and empowers us to love sacrificially. But until we remind ourselves daily, hourly, minute by minute, that we are saved by the grace of God, that Jesus saved us through the cross, that Jesus gave his life for us, then we will give our lives for others. But if we don't keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, I don't, I'll just speak for me. I get selfish quick. 
and my eyes are quick to be on me alone. So the gospel must be the center of our lives. It is the gospel that is the power of God for salvation and the power for our sanctification. He loved us and he gave himself up for us. Love means that we will give ourselves away for the good of someone else. We're coming up on an awesome passage and we'll soon see this. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Love is a sacrificial action, isn't it? Love's not just a feeling. Love moves. Love acts. And we love in truth and in action. God demonstrated, right? God showed his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Let us love by being patient, kind, generous, helpful. You want to know the power of the Holy Spirit's working within you? Love those who annoy you. Like, we were doing good up to that point, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. As we meditate and remember the love we've been shown in Christ, as we meditate on the gospel, we will then love others because the gospel will be the center of our lives. You know what's great? God is pleased with this kind of love. God is pleased with sacrificial love. He finds enjoyment from it. That's what Christ's death was. You see, Christ's death for us was a sacrificial gift for us. But look at our text. He gave himself up for us, but it was also an offering to God. When we love sacrificially, it's an offering to God. And it says this, Christ's death was a sacrificial and fragrant offering. Remember in the Old Testament, sacrifices were placed on the altar and it would say that a pleasing aroma was a description of God's acceptance of the offering. That it was sincere worship. Paul says here that Christ's death was an offering and it was a pleasing aroma to God. Now, I don't want to get too weird, but how many of you, how many of you enjoy the sense of smell? What a gift from God. Am I the only one? You know your taste wouldn't work as well without the, the sense of smell? But the sense of smell is really an amazing sense. Ever smell something and have it transport you to another place? It's almost like you went back in time. We talked about grandma last week, grandma and grandpa's, but fresh bread baking, you're like, whoa, man, I'm at grandma and grandpa's again. I, I smell the rolls baking. Or cookies baking, that's even better. Barbecue? Fresh cut grass makes me go right back to Little League in a ball field or a soccer team. The fun I had as a kid. The smell of the beach. It can be good or bad. Most of the time it's good. It's pleasing. You say, oh man, this smells great. What's for dinner? Sometimes like when the t- tomatoes are cooking, you know, down the road. Like, oh yeah, that smells good. But then you enter your house and you smell what's for dinner. You're like, hey, I like that. That's pleasing. 
That's what it is for God. When we love sacrificially, it's a fragrant perfume. It's a fragrant aroma to God. And he's pleased. He says, this is good. When we love, God is saying, this is great. My people are loving each other. My people are loving the world. They're not, not love the world like in go to sin, but they're loving those who are lost. They're sharing the gospel. They're sharing the love of Christ to others. This is what we're called to do. This is what the church is to do. Therefore, be imitators of God. Love. Because God is love. Oh, let's be a people who love others. And I pray that the aroma that comes from Grace Bible Church, from your homes, would be a holy fragrance of love that God is pleased with. I found a quote as I was going through different commentaries and preparing from Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary in India, who did a wonderful work with street kids, saving them from forced prostitution, saving them uh, from, from life on the streets, just uh, did a wonderful job, helped thousands of kids. And she said this, one can give without loving, but one cannot love without giving. Isn't that what Christ has called us to do? To give ourselves, to love sacrificially. We love because God loves us. Beloved, as our scripture reading today, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Therefore, be imitators of God. When we walk in love, we imitate God. Amen? Let's be people who walk in love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we know that coming up in the weeks are some heavy passages on holiness on the character we're to have, how we're to live our lives, how we're to walk daily. Father, we know that if we do this on our own, we will not, we will not have success. But Father, your strength is perfected in us in our weakness. And so Father, may we be a people who leave ourselves our own strength, our own gifts, our own sense of power. And may we humbly come before you, rely on your mercy and your grace. Father, rely upon the Spirit who lives within us so that we would be a people who are imitators of you, that we would walk in love, that we would walk in light and we would walk in wisdom. Father, this is what sets us apart from the world. Father, this is what makes us different than every other religion out there. That we have a true relationship with the one true God who empowers us to live lives that are pleasing to you. And so we thank you for the mercy and the grace that you've poured out upon us. Father, may this church and all of us who make it up be a people who walk in love. Thank you for your mercy and your grace that enables us to do this. We rely on you. 
And we worship you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and the power you give us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.